I live with clinical depression and anxiety disorder. And so I didn't know that. I was diagnosed in my 20s. Looking back, I was like, probably my teens is when I had my first major depressive episode. It's part genetic for me, it's part environmental. I you know, went some, through some really crappy things as a kid that no kid should have to go through. And it took me a while to kind of heal from that. But in the fall of 2008 is when I had my absolute, absolute rock bottom. So that's the part when I say that this book is my, is my journey. So like when she goes to ask the grumpy old octopus about where the water is, and the grumpy old octopus says, you're wasting your time. There's no such thing as water. That was my 2008. I was at my rock bottom. I had three kids, five, age five and under. I was staying at home. Um, my husband had just lost his job in the financial industry. Welcome to Imperfect Parenting. I'm Ariel Green Anderson. My name is Matt Anderson. We're bringing you raw, real, and unfiltered stories from around the world. Are you an IP parent? Hey, it's Ariel, and it's coming on Christmas, and I can't help but think of a Joni Mitchell song. It's coming on Christmas, they're cutting down trees, they're putting up reindeer and singing songs of joy and peace. Okay, I'm not going to say that right, but oh, I wish I had a river I could skate away on, but it don't snow here. It stays pretty green. And it's not really a Christmas song at all, but I guess it's the mournfulness of it. There's just a, there's a, a sadness and a beauty all sort of wrapped up in one. The idea of skating on a river, the idea of, uh, you know, Christmas. It's sort of this mix of melancholy. I don't know. There's just so much happening. There's like this, uh, it's okay to be on our own and missing the connection. There are some connections, but yeah, it's just, a, there's a lot. And the year is wrapping up and it's been a very full on year. So uh, I think this guest that we have coming today, uh, Angela Willingham, she, this is part two, and we go even deeper, and we go a little bit into that darker side. And I think Joni Mitchell and thinking of that, you know, the darker side of things, and as well, we're just moving from solstice into the deeper into the holidays, and um, there will be more light, but I think we are diving into the darker side of things or the, the reality that can happen, you know, depression and motherhood and complicated creating and how long it actually takes and so many other things. And so this podcast, uh, it's close to my heart. I've definitely had my own dark days recently. I know that some of you who I've talked to and had communication with have also talked about struggle and the beauty. There's this, you know, connection and having time with the family and at the same time, um, something missing, something broken, something off. Of course, the world is not as it used to be. And, um, yeah, just what all that means and just sort of putting it together, letting it all land. And here we are at the holidays and, you know, my midlife pregnancy, women are thinking about the the families they thought they were going to have maybe at this time. Some of you might be missing family members who aren't alive anymore or you're not able to see or connect with in live in the way that you'd like to. And maybe, maybe others of you, it's, you're connected, you're, you're getting together with your family. It's everyone's making the decisions that are right for them. And, and here we are. So uh, this week, I'm not even going to dive deeply into much right now. I just wanted to say thank you for being out there. Thank you for sharing and liking. 
things on Instagram. And don't forget, you know, uh, anything that you see on IP underscore parenting uh, or on Facebook anywhere uh, with Imperfect Parenting with Little Fish Big Question, just put a comment, something that struck you in either this podcast or last week's, and you'll get into a drawing for the books. We have a bunch of books. So I so wish I could send things across the ocean. I can't yet. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to find an author where we can do that right now. I would just love for you to, uh, maybe there's somebody in the States, if you're not in the States, who would love this book because it's a reminder of someone's story and how we also need to allow our kids to find their own story and their own discoveries. And when you hear this podcast today, you're going to get the inside track on what is actually what what this book is about. It's her life story, in fact. It's a piece of her life. And uh, one thing that struck me really strongly was this sort of I'm busy. I'm doing. I'm doing. I'm doing. I think so many of us. I definitely, even when I am not doing what I was doing before, that was a lot of doing. There's somehow the days keep full, and and, and many of us, I, I myself, have a hard time standing still sometimes, even though it's the thing I yearn for. And she talks about this, like the, the very busy herring represent this. And she talks about the octopus and what that represents. And, you know, each piece, you know, she gives a little bit of a hint of what the story is about and what's really behind it. And I love that because that means when you're reading this story for the first or second or third time with your kids or kid, uh, you kind of can have that knowing smile of what's really going on. And uh, I get I get emotional now when I read the book and about her darker days and how that's represented in the book and, you know, realizing what's around. So that's what I have to say this week. And, you know, we have the 24th, which for us is Czech and Swedish Christmas, and the 25th, which is, uh, of course, the American Christmas and different Western Christmases around the world. Everybody celebrates something different. Maybe you've got Kwanzaa or Hanukkah or some the solstice yesterday, whatever it is that you celebrate or don't. I'm here. I'm here on your journey. And I'm going to keep sharing these stories as they're showing up every time I try to let go something else shows up. I now have a bunch of really amazing people lined up, uh, which I was not expecting. So, you know, there you go. You put something out to the universe, what's next? And the universe speaks. And I wish that for you too. I wish you Merry Christmas, Vesele Venoze, Good Yul, Yul, and so much more. Uh, We wish you the very best, whatever that means for your holiday, if it's silence, gathering, or coming back to source. During your years of being uh, in your dream job, when your kids mm-hmm. were a bit younger, mm-hmm. how would you, looking at that time versus now, like how would you look at how you managed the realities and the boundaries of just staying with your own stuff? You know, one of the biggest challenges and the focuses these days that I'm working with, with the people listening right now and also with myself every day is, you know, moms, how, how our health and our sanity sort of is affected by being so busy and the demand from our kids and our family and our Mm -hmm. jobs and that our stuff, the important purpose, you know, growing something, creating something kind of gets smushed to the side and how that deeply affects health and energy and all of that. So I'm just wondering like how you notice your energy differently, not just about your kids being older, but also Mm -hmm. 
boundaries and energy, I guess, is what I would love to ask you about the difference between dream job and kids smaller mm-hmm. and now how you're working with more boundaries, maybe in all areas. I'm not sure. I believe that busy has become the new currency. I, I really feel like, you know, like people, oh, I'm busy. If you ask anyone how they are these days, I'm busy. I'm so busy. Oh my gosh. I'm so busy. So I look at me how important I am. I'm so busy. And so maybe it's just the culture I am because I'm in, because I'm in a very type A culture out here in DC and everyone's very, very busy, (laughs) but it's this idea that, that that somehow leads to an importance. So what I, so I'm, so like, let's go back to when, you know, when the kids were younger and the, you know, when you were talking a second ago, I thought, you know, I didn't do it very well. Honestly, I lost my temper. Um, I would, I would yell and I would just be like so frustrated because I was trying to control every aspect of the life. Like I was trying to control my work. I was trying to control them in school. I was trying to be the perfect mom and do the volunteer stuff at, at school. And, um, and I, at some point I, I just had to kind of let go of that and realize that my kids aren't my report card and I want to support them and help them. But, um, you know, I, I really think it was the Khalil Gibran poem. Um, it's, um, on children, but it's part of the book, The Prophet, where he talks about how our kids come through us, but they, we don't own them, that they're really, you know, we're the bow and they're the arrow. So we're trying yeah. to be steady and help guide them, but let them go on their own journey. So once I kind of let that go, two things, once I kind of kind of let that go and let, and knew that, okay, they're going to be okay. I'm here to support them. I'm not going to be the lawnmower parent anymore and clear the way for them. And I'm in, and they're going to fail and that's okay. And that's part of their journey. And then also this, I can't, the busy thing, I can't be all things to all people. There was a time where I was trying to do everything. And one of my girlfriends was like, Angela, someone else is going to bake those cupcakes. I was like, what do you mean? I know. Cause I was like, I have to do the bake sale and I have to do this. And she said, I promise you, I promise you, if you don't sign up for it, someone else who's not as busy as you is going to sign up and do it. And they're going to feel great about doing it. But I felt like if I didn't do it, no one else was going to do it. And I think we, so many of us as women do that, um, that we feel like, okay, I have to do it because it's not going to be done. But then you have to really ask yourself, is that the truth or is the truth that's not going to be done your way? Right. So (laughs) that's a knowing laugh, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not only at the school bake sale, it's also at home sometimes. Right. For sure. Oh, and so, you know, if you can get to that point where, you know, for some reason, my kids, when I clean the kitchen, they don't wipe the counter down. And I'm like, well, that's like putting a bow on a gift box. Why wouldn't you put a bow? You got to wipe the counter down. <laughs> the kitchen's not clean. And I've just, you know, I've, I've asked them, I've taught them that, but now I don't lose my mind when I go in there and see that the counter's been not been wiped down. I just say, Hey, can you come back here and do this? I, you don't have to lose your mind and, and blow your top every time. And that's what I used to do because I was I was boiling just below the surface. And so now that I have the space and I've given myself more space to kind of experience life and not be totally overbooked, you know, in my calendar, I purposely go in and schedule white space. And I say, I need this hour to either, you know, just not have anything scheduled and I'm going to do whatever I want to do with it. Then it helps that boiling go down. (laughs) So I'm not just right below the surface about to explode. And the real amazing thing about it is, you know, I was talking to my kids in preparation for this um, interview. I was talking to them kind of like, what do they remember of that time and parts of life? And, you know, I love this idea of imperfect parenting because like none of us have been parents before. We're, we're all trying. They've never been kids before. We've never been parents before. We're trying the best we can. And they don't remember me yelling. And I'm like, 
wow, I felt, I felt like I yelled all the time. And they're like, what are you talking about? You never yelled at us. I was like, okay, that's an amazing blessing because someone took that memory <laughs> because, you know, and I think you look back on it. We probably look back on it as we were on in, in remembering all the things about how we failed them. And they're going to look back and remember all the fun things. So kind of giving ourselves that grace and those breaks to say like, okay, we're doing the best we can. And then it really, you know, a big part of um, the process for me with my kids and as they've been getting, getting older is just being really open and honest and, and saying, I don't know, but can we figure this out together? Like, you know, some of the things we're going through, like with their first breakups or the, you know, my son, he's 13 and some of the things he's going through, I'm like, I, I don't know, but we can figure this out together and, and let's try. I think kids need to know that we don't have all the answers and that they won't either. And it's okay to get it wrong or it's okay to go explore. And so let's find that, let's find out together. Oh. I love that. Everything that you just said, I'm so thankful for your willingness to just put it all out there because there's so many people and myself included. It's just anytime I snap at my child, I am, I'm more devastated. She's (laughs) devastated. I'm devastated. And then the guilt, you know, that I try not to feel, but I, I definitely do is, oh my God, I've ruined her. You know, I was always the amazing babysitter and the favorite, you know, teacher. And then I was mm-hmm. going to be this amazing mom and then stress and life came in and, and mm-hmm. I'm not the same person I was, you know, a year and a half ago or whatever, for whatever reason, I can think mm-hmm. of a thousand reasons why it's happening, but the, it's more that in the future, she's going to be like, oh, I was a horrible mom, you know? So, and I know that <laughs> I've had other guests on and I've talked to so many mom, and that's the whole podcast started with people feeling moms mostly, but feeling really guilty about not being perfect, not doing all the cupcakes, not responding in the the most graceful way, you know, snapping or forgetting important, whatever it is. So thank you so much for sharing that because it's a motherhood is, you know, some people warn you, but you don't get all the details of the challenges (laughs) of just how about being a human being inside of all of this. And I think that we, um, whether we mean to or not, and no matter where you are in the world, there are aspects of most societies that have a pretty freaking high expectation for women, mm-hmm. you know, bring home some money, you know, even if you're an at-home mom, whether mm-hmm. you're, you, you're also, there's a lot of, you know, you're also the, the, the house manager often, and mm-hmm. you're making sure everything is, you're doing multiple jobs. It's not just mm-hmm you have kids and you just sit at home watching soap operas or whatever, like some people think Mm -hmm. there's so many aspects to it. And if on top of that, you're trying to create something and you've given Mm -hmm. yourself the the permission and the courage to, to grow something else. And you're also, you know, working and who knows what else supporting people in your family and your, there's so many things that come with being a grown up that, uh, you know, you don't think about when you're a kid, you think, Mm -hmm. Oh no, we're, you just grow up and you get to make your own decisions and you get money and you can decide what clothes and what games you play, you know, uh, buy and have a car. They think of all the cool things, but they don't necessarily think about, you know, all the burden. And, but I, I love the idea of being partners and how you talked about um, really, you know, how can we figure this out together? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Ella and I do that sometimes, but you know, I, what you were talking about the ego piece that starts to take over from where they, they grow from being in source to, you know, we forget over time. And then it's funny because as we get older, you know, a lot of us now are trying to get back to that source and get back to that intuitive 
way of just being so authentic in life, right? So if you can start earlier by, you know, reading books like yours or being, you know, more authoritative in the way that you're doing things like you're talking about, like yeah. being a part of the process together, you're yeah. also empowering them to be a part of it and to trust their own knowledge mm -hmm. from the inside out, you yeah. know? So that's a powerful message Thanks. that I hope we can all take forward as we're yeah. going in life. Uh, and you know, and that's one of the reasons, so um, just to be, I'm, I'm really open about this. So I hope it's okay. But so I yeah, live with, please. I live with, <laughs> I live with <laughs> clinical depression and anxiety disorder. And so I didn't know that I was diagnosed in my twenties. Looking back, I was like, probably my teens is when I had my first major depressive episode. It's part genetic for me. It's part environmental. I, you know, went some, through some really crappy things as a kid that no kid should have to go through. And it took me a while to kind of heal from that. But in the fall of 2008 is when I had my absolute rock bottom. So that's the part when I say that this book is my, is my journey. So like when she goes to ask the grumpy old octopus about where the water is, and the grumpy old octopus says, you're wasting your time. There's no such thing as water. That was my 2008. I was at my rock bottom. I had three kids, five, age five and under. I was staying at home. Um, my husband had just lost his job in the financial industry. And here we were, we were in Texas at the time. So I had the big Texas SUV, the big Texas house. Everything's fine. Everything's great. <laughs> like we're pretending through our teeth. And we were in debt, like up to our ears, up to our eyeballs. And um, you know, and I was really struggling and I just, I just didn't know what to do. And I got to a point, I, you know, I explained it as I wasn't suicidal, but I didn't want to live anymore. And I don't, you know, I think if you get it, you get it. like, I just didn't know how I was going to go on living this way. I was in so much pain. And there was a time when, um, I, I just, you know, was, I didn't know what to do. And so I have, I joke, I call it my wake up call, but we were in this big old Texas SUV. We were headed to a family event. My kids weren't in the car with us because it was something they, they didn't need to go to. And I was so bitter because I didn't want to go. We didn't have the money for a babysitter. I was like, fine, we'll go. And we were sitting on the Dallas North tollway, which is like, you know, any busy road, but it was standstill traffic, like parking lot traffic. No one was moving. And I was so upset and I was, cause I was like, we're going to be late. I don't like to be late. That's a thing. I have a thing about time <laughs> and I was feeling stuck and I was so sad and I just, I closed my eyes and it was the first time I'd really been still or quiet in a long time. Cause when you have three kids, five and under, there's not a lot of stillness in your life. Um, even, and then, you know, even with the depression and anxiety and everything, there's just, it was wild. So we were sitting there the just really quiet and I was praying or meditating, whatever, you know, you want to believe in to God saying, I, I don't want to be of this earth anymore. I think my time here is through. I am a burden to everyone in my life because I really, that I felt like such a burden to everyone because I was so, so low. And so I said, I need, I don't know what to do. I need a sign. And I just, just praying for a sign. And right then standstill traffic, right then we got rear-ended. Wow. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And so we, I checked on my husband. He was okay. My sister-in-law was in the back of the car. She was okay. My husband put it in park and we get out. And this little tiny BMW had crunched her car in the back of our SUV and she's crying. She gets out she's like, my dad's going to kill me. This is his car. And we check on her. And once we get everything settled, I'm like, okay, everything's okay. I just said, I'm just curious. Like we were sitting perfectly still. What happened? And she said, I don't know. I just sneezed and my foot hit the gas. And so I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, 
The wow. moment I'm praying for a sign, I get rear-ended by this girl sneezing. So it was like cracking up. I was like, well, God made you sneeze. And she's like, what? And I just walked off. So I took that as, as, you know, it didn't happen right away, but that's my wake up call that I was really living in a, in a victimhood. I was being a victim. I had so many gifts. I had, you know, I had a college degree. I had an, an able body. My mind wasn't in the best place, but I had an able body. Um, I had the support system of my husband and family. So what could I do? What, what changes could I make? And so that was kind of the beginning where I was started pulling myself out. So I pull myself out. I get a, I, I go back to work. I was part of it. So I was in denial. I didn't want to go back to work because I wanted to stay home with the kids, but I had to, I had to go back to work, um, got a job. And then fast forward, um, Christmas of 2011, I was, had been working at a school. You said you worked at an international school. I worked at private schools for years and I, I love uh, private school, international schools, all that. And one of our students at the school had gone off to college. It was his freshman year and he died by suicide that December. And we were crushed because, we, you know, it was a, I didn't know him personally, but it was a small school, it was graduating class of about 75 kids. It was a big pre-K, like you said, pre-K three through high school. Um, and, you know, we, we didn't, we were, we didn't know what to do. So we came together to comfort each other, right. You know, it was right after winter break and we were having a memorial service for him. And it really struck me that no one was talking about the fact that he had taken his life. And this was 2011. A lot of people still weren't talking. There's still, there's still a lot of stigma around mental health now, but even back then, like, you know, nine years ago, um, there's a lot. And I just was sitting there listening to the services, listening to people talk before, and no one was talking about the fact that he had taken his life or had died by suicide. And so I was sitting there in stillness and I, I heard a voice say, Angela, you have to share your story with these kids so they know it doesn't have to end this way. And at my first gut reaction was like, no way. No one knows I live with depression. The only people that knew were my husband and my doctor. I mean, my mom didn't even know and my counselor, my therapist knew. And so, but it was just such a strong calling that I needed to share that story. And because I had now was on the other side of it. And I think sometimes so many of us get to the other side of it, of postpartum depression, of depression, anxiety, and we just kind of want to wash our hands of it and be like, oh, nothing to see here. We're all good. And, um, you know, and, and, and not turn around and help those behind us. So that was when I started sharing my story was when people, so I, so I gave a homily, I'd given homilies at the school before a homily is like a sermon, you know, or whatever. It was an Episcopal school. And so I went to the chaplain and I said, you know, I, I feel this calling to share my story about, um, and, and calling is a strong word, but I just felt, I felt like I needed to share this story of where I was and where I, where I, because my depression started when I was their age, when I was a teenager and where I am now. And she agreed and she helped me and we did a homily and we sang our family song, which is uh, Every Little Thing's Gonna Be All Right by Bob Marley. And it was just an amazing experience. But from that, I thought I was, I lived, I was so afraid that people were going to treat me differently. Um, and they did, but it was in a good way. It was in a, they come up to me and go, you know what? My dad suffers from depression or, or me too. I'm suffering from depression or anxiety or aunt an aunt, an uncle, a mom, because one in five of us live with some sort of depression or anxiety. So, you know, 20% of people who are listening to this podcast statistically are struggling in some way with depression or anxiety or mental health condition. And so this idea that we're not alone and we can share our stories and be open and honest is really where I started kind of 
letting go, you were talking about earlier about like letting go. That's what um, I call my, the program that I coach people on the needless journey. It's all about needing less, just like peeling these veils away of the conditioning we've had Mm. throughout our lives of the expectations put on us as women. I mean, heaven forbid, when I stayed at home, I didn't just stay at home. I had to run a photography business and I had it like, why couldn't I have just been okay with staying at home? Because I had had all these friends who worked and who didn't see the value in that. So I let that influence that time that I can never get back with my kids. So, you know, these expectations that are put on us, I'm just like, you just need less that peeling away. And so um, that's where I started sharing my story and then people start asking me to coach them on being on their spiritual journey. So I started coaching them on their spiritual journey and sharing the story of Little Fish. And they would say, every time I told the story of Little Fish, they're like, um, so you need to like publish that as a book. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I'll get around to that one day. And so then I finally, you know, did get around to it. But it, it's, you look back, you know, you can only connect the dots by looking back is what Steve Jobs said one time. And you look back and you go, oh, wow, if I hadn't have suffered that amazing blow in 2008, if I hadn't had, you know, postpartum depression, if I had, you know, all these things has led me to where I am to now, where I feel good and healthy and whole and worthy. Um, but, you know, they say, wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. That's the, <laughs> it's just part of our journeys. And so, you know, any way that my story or little fish can help people along their journey to know that they're worthy of, of trying, of getting up and, and living this big, beautiful life is just is definitely um, something worth doing. I'm just taking a moment of stillness <laughs> after that because uh, it brings, it always brings more meaning to understand what's really behind, uh, you know, the book is not just a kid's book that's sitting here on our shelf anymore when it has this meaning where the journey is more mm-hmm. clear where it's not only something that touches us and we, we, we turn a page and you feel something and maybe there's an essence of your story that we're not understanding that we're getting, but we're getting, but now to also be able to put those pieces together. I really appreciate um, you sharing that story because um, so many people aren't willing to be this vulnerable and it's, mm-hmm. you know, you did have a calling or you felt the room, so to speak, or what was needed in that moment to speak up and be real and, and honest. And you allowed that exhale of those kids who were feeling that or who had parents that were feeling that, but didn't probably have much of a place to be able to speak it out loud. And the more we're keeping inside and not able to just freely exist inside of or have a conversation about starts to eat at us. And and it sounds like you and I have both had a a moments of of journeys with looking for signs and accidents happening and illness in the body. I also have had things I haven't, haven't talked about on the podcast yet, but, and we'll get to that point. Uh, But this, this whole thing of our, um, yeah, just allowing things to be real and, and in the room, I think is you probably helped a lot of people not just the kids that day uh to release some things so that they didn't take it in as illness or dis-ease inside of their bodies mm-hmm. you help them on a journey that for many people takes decades before they're the, these things are spoken out loud mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. at all you know some people yeah. don't and some families things like that are not allowed you know yeah. so i'm 
thankful that those kids and those people that day got that, you know, when you were speaking. So thank you. Sure. And now you're speaking it through your book in, and it will hopefully, uh, we'll get to see more and more as the reviews pop up, we can see how all things are, are affecting people and, and how you're touching them. And hopefully they can hear this today and get an even deeper understanding of, of what's happening inside of there for the grownups or whoever wants to <laughs> explore mm -hmm. that direction and, and, and how neat for your kids as well, that you are showing them what's possible and that mm -hmm. even a dream or something that has, you know, was maybe just once in a journal or on a piece of paper or in your computer can even after 22 years can mm -hmm. evolve and, and things can take a lifetime or they can take a day, mm -hmm. but that mm -hmm. you, uh, you, you kept on that journey and, that's opening them the possibility for them as well, that their ideas, they don't have to have that pressure that it has to happen tomorrow. Yeah. It might take time. And yeah. uh, you've opened that door for them, which is really yeah. stunning. <laughs> so. Oh, oh and thank you. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, so no, go on. Go on. No, I was gonna say, it's just real short. I, was, I saw something the other day that said, um, don't show me any more 40 under 40 lists. Show me some 50 over 50 or 60 over 60 people who have fallen down and gotten up and tried again. That's what I want to celebrate. And I was like, yes, because <laughs> you know, we, we celebrate youth so much, which is amazing. It's good to celebrate youth, but then we kind of like get to a point in our lives where we don't, th where we think it's too late and it's just never too late, never too yeah. late. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. Just turned 50 this year. So yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh gosh. I'm just so thankful that you and I reconnected and that you're here today. And I, uh, I look forward to an update at some point, you know, here or just uh, along the way. I would love it if you, if there's any last thoughts that you have for moms or parents out there who are maybe in their 2008 moment right now, or mm -hmm. are looking to create I don't know, just all the things that we've talked about, what, whatever comes, what, what feels like you need to say right now, just a last thought or reminder for everyone out there before we let them know how they can find you. <laughs> yeah. Well, to just, you know, to not try to be all things to all people and ask for help. I think my life really started to turn around when I asked for help and same with the book. You know, I, I went to my husband and said, I'm going to need your support on this. Um, it's going to take time out of, away from, um, you know, my, what I typically do around the house. So you know, now he does groceries and he does laundry and he, I mean, he does that anyway. Yeah. But, you know, so when you ask for help, so that's at the surface level, but the deeper level, if you are suffering, you know, women, we have this tendency of thinking that people should just know, they just ought to know, they ought to know what I want and what I need. Well, people, you can't, they're so busy taking care of themselves one for one. And then the others, they can't read your mind. So if you are struggling with any kind of mental health issues or just down, they reach out to someone, reach out to someone, reach out to a friend, reach out to a husband, your husband, your parent, like anyone, and just say, you know, I'm kind of struggling today. And um, I, I'd like to talk to someone about that and, or call, you know, there's all sorts of 1-800 numbers. I think so many of us are um, living with this shame when there's no need to, there's no need to, and you don't have to go public like I did and go on a podcast and share everything, but at least tell one person because that one person will make a difference. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. And uh, what is, what would be your highest dream for this incredible book that, has, uh, by the way, I love numbers 
and 22 is one of my favorite numbers. So I love that after 22 years, you put this out. What would be your high dream for Little Fish? Big question. I want to be the first children's author on Super Soul Sunday. I want to sit with Oprah <laughs> under her Oprah's oaks. on my list too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm pretty sure it's probably on everyone's, but I, I just want no. even, so, okay. So like, that's my big dreams. Like to be, because the reason I want that dream is one, I want to thank her for the impact she had on my life. But two, I think that, I think this story, or I know this story can have a really far reaching impact. And I think my story can have a far reaching impact. So it's the idea of, okay, how can I get it out there more? And that would just be the pinnacle, right? To be under those oaks with Oprah talking about little fish. Um, but I really, my, my biggest hope is that this, this book just is one of those things. It's a little bit of a slow burn, right? It just keeps going. It grows and grows and grows and gets a following. And, you know, I have a group on Facebook called the little fish community because people just want to get together and talk and hang out. And I was like, okay, well, let's make a community of little fish. And it's people who are seeking that the answers to their big questions. So that's my dream is that this just, this just takes off and has a life of its own and, and helps people wherever they are. Yes, 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 yes. Did you hear that universe? or God, whatever you believe in. Yeah. I have my, I have a huge universe to-do list right here on the wall. (laughs) The universe needs to get to work. (laughs) Well, some of my best uh, moments in life have been when I've really been clear and given an ultimatum to the universe. Like, okay, this is what needs to happen now. If this is not what's going to happen, you better show me a sign to do something else. So, you know, but getting that clarity of those things is the first thing, which sounds easy, but isn't always. So good. You have your list. (laughs) So tell us before we say goodbye, because it's always hard to say goodbye. And, but it, you know, it's around that time. uh, And my daughter is, you know, popping in the room. So I know that (laughs) we're not going to get our privacy too much longer. Where, where can people reach you? What would be, you know, the ideal, Next thing, you know, as far as people connecting with you uh, in in every way possible, I don't know if they want to find you as a coach or if they want to find you as, you know, author, where would you like to send them? We'll have the links, of course, in the podcast as well, but, you know. Yeah, so it's AngelaWillingham.com is my site. It's a very simple site. I kept it simple for a reason. And it's if you want to find out how to work with me or if you want to order Little Fish, um, there's a link to order Little Fish on my website. It's also available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And then, you know, I'm on Instagram and on Facebook at, at Ange Willingham. So A-N-G Willingham, because Ange is my nickname. So <laughs> Ange Willingham. Thank you so much for being on the show today. And I appreciate all your energy for coming on here. I appreciate the opportunity. This has been great. It's wonderful. Hey, don't forget to go onto Instagram, IP underscore parenting, or write me at Ariel at at imperfectparenting.net. I don't even know my own address. And let me know just a line or two of something that struck you in this podcast or the last one, and I'll put you in a drawing for her book. After you listen to this, you might really, really want this. If you don't live in the States, remember, you can always have it sent to somebody you care about in the States or a friend or who knows. I can't wait to do this drawing. It's going to be done uh, before the end of the next year, so I think around the 29th. Between the 29th and the 31st, I'm going to do the... Uh, drawing. And uh, if you're a lucky winner, you will find out. And I wish you the very best. Have a great holiday season. Thank you for listening to our Very Imperfect Parenting Podcast. If you'd like a little more like live coaching sessions, then jump into facebook.com backslash IP parents. 
You can also write me at ariel at imperfectparenting.net or jump on that site for other resources like book reviews and other fun things. If you would just share with one person or let one person know about this podcast, that helps us a lot. As well, we have Patreon with extra privileges and have a beautifully imperfect day. Thank you so much for being out there.